you're listening to the Televisionary Minisode. In this episode, Cody and I talk about two of our favorite TV shows that just might become your next TV binge. So, how about that weather? <laughs> um, I'm, like, not sure what you're talking about because my weather has been just... Pr- pristine actually better than the past two summers that i've lived down here wow yeah that's interesting because in pennsylvania we got hit by a the remnants of a tropical storm (laughs) in the last couple of days and it poured nonstop on was that wednesday oh yeah like literally all day i texted you and you responded to me by being like yeah, I'm super swamped with work, and the entire state is underwater. And I was like, <laughs> okay, not sure how that relates to work, but... <laughs> it was just something that was on my mind. Um, fortunately, we did not really have much flooding or anything right around where I am, but like, I have been reading some of these stories about what's happening in New Jersey and New York, and I watched a video of someone in Philly who mm-hmm. Getting like, cholera. jumped off of... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Jumped off of a bridge into a rushing flood of sewage that uh, was, like, running under an overpass. Like, ugh. Disgusting. So, definitely feel blessed <laughs> to um, not be a part of that mess. But uh, And it's also cold today. The, cold, the past couple of days. It was a high of, like, 66 yesterday. Oh, wow. And... It's September. It was a high of, like, 70 today. And, like, Mm -hmm. I've had my... The whole time that I've lived in this new apartment, which I have mentioned (laughs) on a previous minisode, it has been so hot. And then the last couple of days, I've had to close my windows at night even and not even have a fan or anything on because it dips down into, like, the 50s. Oh, my god! It gets too chilly. Yeah. So I've had my windows and my balcony door open all day to let some nice cool air in, but... Ugh. Doesn't feel like summer. We haven't had a lick of rain, and huh. it's been like it hasn't even reached the hundreds. Really, I'm in Austin, Texas. For anyone who doesn't know that and who is listening, Mm-mm. yeah, it's been like mid nineties, which sucks, but is way better than a hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, the other day I. I don't know why, but the other day I woke up at 6.45 in the morning. Well, I kind of know why. I woke up at 6.45 in the morning after I had a dream that in my dream I died. My body was cremated, but somehow I still had a body walking around that then ate my ashes that were baked into brownies. What? So, yeah, I don't even... smoking before bed? (laughs) I don't even want to unpack what that potentially means about my subconscious. I'm just going to choose to believe that it means that I am being reborn, but staying true to myself. You know? Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, so I I couldn't go back to sleep. So I got up really early and then I walked my dog really early and it was actually like pleasant to be outside, which was nice. And it made me wish that I woke up that early all of the time, but that's just not realistic (laughs) for me yeah yeah Hmm. well anyway oh yeah hi i'm elena and i am cody and this is a televisionary minisode yes in these minisodes we talk about two shows that we 
like and think you might also like that are worth talking about, but not worth talking about enough to do a whole episode about them. (laughs) Well, not necessarily that they aren't worth talking about enough for a whole episode. It's just maybe they didn't have quite the cultural impact to justify an entire hour of discussion, hour or more. That's the way I choose to view them anyway, because I could talk about the show that I am going to speak on today for probably hours, but but I will limit it to 10 minutes, maybe. (laughs) Well, I would love to hear what you're talking about, because I want you to go first. Well, I will then. Okay. Okay. So today I'm talking about a show that Elena already spoiled for everyone in a past episode that I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It is called Happy Endings, and it is one of my favorite TV shows, but I feel like most people probably does, do not know that it exists. It ran for three seasons on ABC from 2011 to 2013, all of them low-rated, and... <laughs> And unjustifiably so, because I think it's just so smart and so funny, and it should have struck all the right chords with people, and it I feel like ABC just kind of did it dirty, bouncing it around the schedule, didn't really give mm-hmm. it a chance, and I, I just... Uh, it makes me angry that it didn't get the full life that it deserved. Anyway, if I were to sum up the show, I would say <laughs> it's pretty much... Exactly like Friends, except funny. (laughs) So there you go for anyone who wants to know my opinion on Friends. Yeah, any Um, Friends heads out there. uh Uh-huh. Probably 90% of the people listening to this podcast (laughs) just turned it off after I said that. But I'm, I mean, I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to yours. And again, if you disagree with anything that Elena or I say, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. We've said it before. We will say it a million times over. Anyway, I just don't get what all the hype about Friends is. I, I just, don't either. I, it's not that I think it's bad. Mm. I, I just think it's so mediocre. It's not something that I've ever watched and like laughed out loud at. Not a single time. I don't no. hate it. I am just ambivalent about it, and I don't get why so many people love it. Sorry, but not sorry at all. Give me happy (laughs) endings any day. Okay, so tell me what happy endings is about, because I know I've watched episodes because you told me to, but I do not remember a single thing about it. That's unfortunate, and you need to revisit it. But um, the basic gist of the show, um, it follows six main characters. They are friends in their late 20s, early 30s, maybe, just kind of settling into their lives, figuring some things out, some of them still single and dating, some of them married and figuring out married life, a little bit of, you know, other personal career stuff and whatever going on as well. But there's one married couple out of the six, Brad, who is played by Damon Wayans Jr., who's like an affable, go-with-the-flow kind of guy's guy uh, who's still in touch with his feminine side. And then his wife, Jane, played by Eliza Coop. She is a competitive 
type A control freak. Um, then you have Jane's little sister, Alex, played by Alicia Cuthbert, who is kind of a dimwit, maybe. She's usually the only one to not get the joke or to misunderstand what's going on, although she is weirdly perceptive and intelligent about certain things. And then there's Dave, played by Zachary Knighton, who is a food truck owner who desperately believes himself to be the cool guy in the group, despite constant reminders from the rest of the group about why he is not. Then there is Penny, played by Casey Wilson, probably my favorite character. She is a perennial dater who is constantly cycling through a new man of the week, but also kind of constantly trying to affirm herself personally and professionally without the need of a man. So, you know, she's just kind of a constant paradox, but it's always funny to watch. Um, (laughs) And then there's Max, who is a chubby gay Jewish slob who is Penny's best friend and has been using her as a beard for years before he eventually comes out to his parents and other people in his life. So the pilot of the show opens with Alex and Dave's wedding, during which an old flame of Alex's roller skates in and (laughs) professes his love to her and she decides in that moment to run away with the roller skating man and uh, leave Dave at the altar. So this of of course causes some friction in the group and Alex later admits that she just wasn't ready to marry Dave and the two start to settle into being friends. The group feels much less awkward and from there the show pretty quickly pivots to just focus on the lives and the wacky misadventures of these characters. So in that way, it kind of becomes a show about nothing, but it also is, you know, about people trying to find fulfillment in their relationships, in their personal and professional lives, all of that kind of stuff. So just very relatable, I would say, to a a 29-year-old like myself, although the show came out when I was 19. 18, almost 19, so I still related to it then and thought it was (laughs) hilarious at the time, but I feel like I have grown to appreciate it a little more as I have gotten older. Anyway, the show's style of humor is highly referential. It's definitely in a similar vein to some of its contemporaries, like 30 Rock, Community. It helps to have a baseline knowledge of a lot of of pop culture, a wide array, in (laughs) order to understand the jokes. But similar to either of the shows that I mentioned, if you don't get one of the jokes, you can, like, Google the person or the movie Mm -hmm. or the event or whatever, and then not only understand why it's funny, but also broaden your pop culture repertoire, which I like. Like, I feel certain that watching shows like Happy Endings and 30 Rockin' Community have prepared me to host a podcast like this <laughs> because like they gave me this breadth mm-hmm. of pop cultural knowledge so that I can speak confidently and thoroughly on any number of TV shows or other media and to recognize like cultural touchstones and landmarks in TV. Absolutely. And now I'm paying it forward on this podcast. <laughs> teaching the masses. Yes, reaching a whole new generation. <laughs> Yes, uh, instructing the children. (laughs) So, anyway, more than being edutainment, Happy Endings is also jam-packed with jokes. I would say it is second only to 30 Rock in the number of jokes per minute. And maybe not all of them land all the time, but it just... 
just rapid fire, like jokes jammed in there. And you have to rewatch the show in order to catch all of the jokes that you missed. Like you can't really absorb it all <laughs> in one sitting. Like it's very quick with, you know, the cadence of the characters talking and you're going to miss something if you look away for a minute, which is what I like. Like I like to be fully engaged in a show all of the time whenever I'm watching it and it requires your full attention, at least the first few dozen times that you watch it maybe you you know start to understand it all and are sure that you've captured all the jokes after watching it as many times as I have I will say that the show kind of took a few episodes to sort of find its footing and fall into its groove but once it did around the middle of that first season and definitely into the second it just worked I would say the second episode or the second season of that show, one of my top five TV seasons of all time. Wow. Any show. Yeah. It, it's like, it's what Friends should have been if they were making it just for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And more than just being funny, I think it did have, in some ways, an, a very unrecognized cultural impact <laughs> because it was pretty progressive in its representation. Brad and Jane are a mixed race couple. Brad is black, Jane is white, but that's rarely ever even mentioned on the show. Mm -hmm. And 10 years ago, that was not common on TV. And even still to this day, I feel like it's rare to see a mixed race couple as leads on a TV show. Like I can't think of any shows on the air today maybe there are some that i'm missing but it doesn't i don't know it's it's not common yeah by now that should be more prevalent because it's so much more prevalent in our society right. but it's not it's not yes so the show was ahead of its time i think in not only having a mixed race couple as one of the leads of the show but barely even acknowledging it you know like mm -hmm. just letting them be a couple and their races are irrelevant that feels noteworthy to me and then you also have max who basically defies every gay stereotype in existence but the show does heavily <laughs> acknowledge that like there's even an episode where penny is kind of upset that max as her gay best friend isn't really gay enough for her <laughs> so like he max introduces her to a guy that he met at his gym named derek who becomes a recurring character who's the most offensively over-the-top stereotypical homosexual to mm -hmm. ever exist. Uh, like, I just can't think of another show before Happy Endings that had a gay character that was as boundary-pushing as Max. And it's he's only boundary-pushing because you expect to see gay people presented right. in a certain way in media and he was so not that and it shouldn't be boundary pushing to just represent a different type of human <laughs> than you are used to seeing but I just love that his being gay is not his defining characteristic it is just one thing about him and he can be all of these other things like messy and a, a you know limousine driver like he owns his own <laughs> 80s limousine that he just allows people to rent out and it's a horribly unsuccessful business because he's you know not a good driver and ends up blowing the limo up in a prank and like none of that has anything to do with him being gay so why should that be like why should that part of him change anything else about exactly his character you know i just think that the show did a really good job i'm just representing people as they are but the characters are all still quirky and weird but they all just fit together the cast has such great chemistry together and 
I just think they all nailed it, and the writing nailed it, and just please watch it. It's on Hulu, <laughs> and I would love to have a reboot happen. There's been rumors happening for years. Wow, really? Among this. Yes, because it's one of those shows that once people discover it, they love it. They obsess about it the way that I do, and... I think it's just about getting that ball rolling a little bit faster. We could get there. The cast is totally up for it. The cast actually did, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, a not reunion episode, I guess, but you know how some shows like Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and I'm trying to think of other examples. Community did like a table read, but like a lot of these sort of beloved shows had either episodes that they filmed remotely that were, you know, just the gang mm-hmm. checking in on each other or something like that. Happy Endings did like had a new episode written and produced it just from their homes. Like it was just the gang all on a Zoom call together and stuff. But the cast is definitely still in love with the show (laughs) like from everything that i can tell they would totally be down for a reboot and i want it to happen so bad because it ended far too soon and i want more i know i i just need to watch it i feel certain that i would like it but i i don't know i think i started watching from the beginning and maybe just didn't get hooked right away that's probably it I i bet if you would start at the second season you would totally get everything too it's not like there's yeah. much to get. <laughs> like, you're not really missing anything if you don't watch from the beginning. But, yeah, I, it definitely is stronger toward the end of season one and into season two. Well, thank you for sharing. Of course. Happy to, anytime. Sorry I spoiled it a few weeks ago. Well, it's okay. I hope I generated some interest anyway. So anyway, what show are you going to talk about today? Well, okay, so... <sighs> Kanye West had a new album come out last week. Uh Uh-huh. Called Donda. And that album started me thinking about something that's not a TV show. But it's my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. Okay. (laughs) It's also my podcast. So where are you going with this? All right, so what I want to talk about today is a short film okay. called R- Runaway. Oh, which, okay. Yeah. Okay, I know I'm it's a board. stretch. <laughs> it's, it's like 35 minutes long. It feels like an episode of TV, and the Kids See Ghost TV show is never probably going to come out. So this is the closest we get to a Kanye West television show. I, I, I don't count Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So... Runaway is a 35-minute short film that accompanies Kanye West's 2010 album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and it is one of my all-time favorite pieces of visual media, like, ever created. I've seen Hmm. it at this point probably, I don't know, like 20 times. I've seen it so many times. And the gist of it is this. So it's like part short film, part music video. It draws on Fellini films, which I thought was BS when I first read that, but then I watched it again today. And after seeing La Dolce Vita recently, earlier this year, I can actually say that it does kind of remind me of a Fellini film in a strange kind of way. So it takes the music of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, his most critically acclaimed album and widely regarded to be one of the best albums of the past 20 years and sets it 
to the story. The story is pretty basic. It's about a man who meets a part woman, part phoenix who falls from the sky and the two fall in love. But unfortunately, she is not really meant for this world. She is too weird, too beautiful, too out there to really be accepted by our world. So by using the music of the album, it weaves the story of them knowing each other and eventually her leaving to go be reborn on whatever planet she came to Earth from. The story doesn't really matter. It is, you know, written the way you think like a Kanye West story would be written. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's still really beautiful to watch. And I love it because I am a huge Kanye fan and I thought Donda was fine. I was excited to have a new album, an hour and 48 minute long album from him, considering the last two were very short. But this specific film with this specific music is Kanye at his best to me. It is beautiful, it is meaningful, it is genius, but it is also so stupid and so camp and so just self-obsessed. It is everything Kanye is in 35 minutes. And I would say for me, the standouts of this film are the costuming. I think the costuming is beautiful. I think it's very obvious if you watch this that he is going to get into fashion and that he draws a lot of inspiration from fashion. But there's also a paper mache Michael Jackson head in a giant parade that's happening. That's pretty cool to see. There is the so iconic at this point runaway ballet dance that happens Mm. where his phoenix is dancing and then there's all of these other dancers dancing and this is of course in response to a feast that is happening where a giant turkey comes out and this half phoenix woman is freaking out at the idea of eating another bird (laughs) so i just wanted to talk about it today i love it i think that it is a hundred percent worth watching and I don't have that much more to say about it other than I just think that it's great and something special and something that I don't think we will ever see from Kanye again. I, as I said, huge Kanye fan. Love him. I will love him no matter what he does, even for the fact that he had Marilyn Manson come to his live show, which is kind of messed up because Marilyn Manson sucks. But I still love Kanye. I still think that Kanye is a genius. But unfortunately, I don't think that his best work is ahead of him at this point. And I hope to be surprised by that. But I really think that his most powerful works are behind him. And I think that this album and this short film are an era of Kanye's creative life that is most impactful, most impressive, and most genius. And I long for that day to happen again, (laughs) but I don't know that it will. But it was nice to revisit this and just to think about why it works. And like, to follow up on my Fellini comment, like, La Dolce Vita is interesting, and a lot of Fellini films are interesting, in that they're segmented 
they're they don't follow a traditional three act structure they're almost like a series of vignettes and i feel like this little short film this music video whatever you want to call it by kanye kind of does a similar thing and isn't afraid to linger on just the imagery or the movement or the costuming in a way that I think La Dolce Vita does. That's like the, I know I've seen another Fellini film, but that's the one that I've most recently seen and most stands out to me and even feels just thematically kind of similar. Like there's a similar sort of connection between two people that feels very volatile within that film that is kind of similar to Runaway. So yeah, I don't know. I hope you don't mind that I went too off off (laughs) prompt there with that one. I'm guessing you've seen it based on your reaction? Yeah, I have seen it. I watched it when the album came out, like when the film came out. Uh, And I love that album too. Like, I absolutely think it's his best work. And I am a huge fan of that. I'm not the biggest fan of Kanye overall. Definitely not as big a fan as you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I have not, I can't say that I've really enjoyed a lot of his later work. But I do think that that was a very special moment in not just his career, but in pop culture, really. Like, he just did something that no one else was doing at that time, both with the album and with Runaway. And Mm -hmm. I should revisit it because I remember really feeling captivated by it whenever I watched it 10 years ago or however long it has been now. (laughs) And it just, I feel like that kind of thing has gotten a little more common these days. Like, you've had these sort of visual albums from a couple of artists where they do you know music video with every album i'm thinking right now actually of casey musgraves who is probably to me what kanye is to you (laughs) and she's releasing a new album in well as of this recording in a week that also has an accompanying accompanying film that seems very sort of indebted to what Kanye did with Runaway. It is so interesting to me that you say that because part of what started me thinking about this is listening to her single mm. that she put out, uh, Starcrossed, uh-huh. which to me, even sonically, feels so similar to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and Mm. i might be going way out on a limb there but just the way that it builds and Mm -hmm. the end of that song reminds me so much of that album by kanye and so i am on the edge of my seat waiting for the full album because i can just tell from that one song that the whole thing is going to feel very connected in like a similar kind of way like it feels like it's going to be this sonic kind of concept album. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that's how it feels to me. So she has said that the album is designed as a tragedy in three acts. So there are five songs in each act that will, you know, tell a complete story, but each one is sort of a distinct chapter of the story. So I'm very excited to see what that ends up being, because... I feel like this is a huge sonic shift for her, but also just artistic shift in mm-hmm. general, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Me too. Didn't expect Yay. to be talking about Casey Musgraves on this mini-sode, <laughs> but I'm sure glad we did. <laughs> Me too. Unfortunately, I should probably go. <laughs> well, I'm fine with going too. I feel like this has been a longer mini-sode than some of them, so <laughs> we'll wrap things up now before it becomes a full-length episode. But anyway, we hope that you have enjoyed listening to this one. 
a little bit different, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah, I think we said some good things and hopefully inspired you to watch some content you've never seen before. Yes. So go do that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!